Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fragoso, and thank you for being here. This week for part three of our Stones Throw Spotlight is with the very talented musician Alex Breton. Born in Chicago, Alex is the ringleader of Mild High Club. It's a group out of Los Angeles, KCRW called A Stone in the Zen Garden of L.A. Slack Funk Psychedelia. That is an incredible sentence, by the way. But what's particularly special about Alex and Mild High Club is that the music sits at the intersection of old and new. Sure, he has modern contemporaries like Mac DeMarco, Ariel Pink, Silk Road, Drug Dealer, many of whom he's collaborated with at one point or another. However, a lot of his sound comes from music history. The soulful rock of Todd Rundgren or Steely Dan, or the jazzy undertones of Ahmad Jamal or Dorothy Ashby. For example, here's the title song from their latest record, Skip Tracing.
believes the latest record has a clear story arc. A private investigator is attempting to trace the steps of the sound and spirit of American music. As if skip tracing was the long goodbye of albums, and Alex was Elliot Gould. The hazy, smoke-filled 70s seems like a perfect context to not only think about Mild High Club, but to talk to Alex. He came over to the house last month where we sat in the backyard and spent a couple hours discussing the start of his career as a jazz musician, his time with Stone's Throw, and how his obsession with music is at once inspiring and never-ending. While I try to not generally agree with common sentiment, it's true that it's hard for a lot of musicians to articulate and talk about their music. And I think that's because, as many people say, it just comes through in the music. There is no explanation. But that said, I want to give credit to Alex for being particularly articulate and eloquent and detailed when it comes to not only the mixing of his music, but his inspirations and how he comes about creating the brilliant art that he does. But first, we start with some of his earliest memories of music. So, finally, here is Alex Brenton. This is probably strange, and you've maybe thought about this or you've been asked it before, but like, what are your first memories of music? Because you were not, you were in the outskirts of Chicago, like in a closed like small rural community right uh yeah in a pretty tiny community um first memories of music i gotta say there's this one that really sticks out i don't know if it has to do with my own but yeah yeah okay my sister used to do this thing when i I'm, i was under five years old where she would torture me by taking the, the the Andrew Lloyd Webber Phantom of the Opera, one of the themes in Phantom of the Opera, and she would crank the stereo and it was this theme that would go Bum ba 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 bum ba 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 bum and I it was so terrifying to me. I would cry, I would I, I couldn't stand it. And that was the first I think memory of how uh, I guess affected by music I was you're being tortured by it <laughs> I was being tortured by it yes that was the first and and, and what's what's funny is that I think I, I guess I, I I feel like I was tortured by the 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 melody and the color of it and the 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 like intervallic structure of it for some reason it just kind of you know I I had registered it at you know I don't know, four, four years old or something, that it was like such a, it was just so emotive for me. It was like, it was painting some sort of like dream nightmare thing for me, you know, daydream, day nightmare or something. So I don't know. That's kind of a miraculous, like specific memory. It, it, it still sticks with me because my sister, she, I don't know. We didn't always get along, but, you know, that was one thing I still, like, just, it still sticks with me. And when I hear that, rare, I rarely have heard it. I've put it on to just, like, test myself. But, uh, man, it's probably still has the same effect on me, I would assume. Does your sister remember the, doing that? Yeah, she does. She does? Yes. 
How many siblings did you have? I have one sister. She's five years older than me. So if you can imagine, a, like an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. Yeah. So, so you were the younger brother. Yes. What What did like that dynamic mean? Um, it meant that I uh, I got it easier. I think growing up, and uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Easier because like it was there was a second kid. Yeah, and I think my parents were more concerned with my sister. She was a little bit more of trouble than I was. Okay. As a kid. Um, it, I I have two brothers and a sister, uh-huh. and it's, I'm like the oldest. Okay. So I'm always curious how younger siblings feel about their older siblings. I feel like my sister got the brunt of the like, uh, the like, life is rough. Life is rough, but like, first time around parenting. Not oh, okay. not to discredit my parents at all. They're the greatest right, in the right. world. No, but my but parents talk about this all the I time think, too. I think my my parents like my sister is a handful to begin with, and so being the first child i think you know there was a you know a desire to make sure that she was you know okay she mm-hmm. turned out okay but um i think growing up there I, I i was just less of an issue and but also on the other end it it kind of instilled this level of like wanting to impress my parents or something or or not, maybe not impress them but uh you know live up to their you know what what they saw as a potential i guess i don't know mm. yeah how were you trying to impress them i don't know like were you playing music in high school yes i was playing music in high school i was playing music since i was like 10 mm. they put me in guitar lessons and i picked up and uh yeah i mean I think I was imp- trying to impress them with like, you know, my Legos, you know, like, <laughs> you know, th- my designs, my drawings, like, you know, everything that would sort of, you know, I don't know, make them feel happy, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe, I, maybe it wasn't all for, it was mainly for myself, but, uh, I don't know. I think everyone does that. Though. I think I really, yeah, I just liked Legos and then that turned into skateboarding and guitars and I guess I just get a little obsessive about things. I don't know. Was you? Did you always hop from thing to thing obsessively? Mm, I don't know. Very rarely did I like switch it up. I don't know. I always played soccer until a certain point. I played, or yeah, I played with Legos, guitars. That was about it. I didn't really have any like. One, well, I played some frisbee golf at, at times when I started smoking pot. Was that high school? Yes. Well, yes. When I could drive, I was playing some frisbee golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your high school life like? Um, it was pretty cool. I had friends. I I feel like I uh, I had these like different groups of friends that all had different uh, like sort of operating levels i guess i don't know what mm. you would call it but yeah friends that felt different from different, one another yeah definitely different in their in their like uh yeah in what we did and how how we you know talked about things anyways i had uh so i had like 
I don't know. I felt like I was like kind of like a floaty kind of person. I was I was pretty shy. I was. Uh, I, I think. Yeah, I I just. But I kept I pl- I played a lot of guitar, um, but I had a specific group of friends that we would go hang out in his basement, and his dad was a painter, and he was a painter, and that was where I discovered like all this crazy sweet music, and um, oh, so it was someone else's dad or someone else's parent? Well, somewhat, not really their parent actually. It was it was the kid. He was like, I had some friends that were like seniors when I was a freshman who. I thought were so cool. Um, yeah, we just like got into like, I don't know, like Joy Division and Velvet Underground and all that like, you know, Jesus and Mary Chain and Iggy Pop and we just like, you du- know, d- big time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like... That's the age for it. Yeah, definitely. But at, at the same time, before I started getting to that shit I was like still confused coming out of like junior high I was like you know classic rock really that's all I knew at that point I didn't have Kazaa or anything like Mm -hmm. that and then I had a teacher when I was a freshman give me like Radiohead and fucking um, the Flaming Lips he just gave me this data disc of like all this stuff (laughs) Wilco and I thought I liked it and then I heard this other stuff and I was like all right I, so I can like, and at the same time, I was also getting into jazz. So there were like all these different things happening at once. So high school for me was a crazy, uh, I guess, musical. Yeah. There was a lot of music going on then, and I loved it. I still love it. But at that point, there was this un. I don't know. Uh, it was, it um, was uncharted in, waters. It was uncharted waters, and it was also like insatiable. Like, yeah. just like couldn't help myself. I just could not stop like searching for this like thing, and that always evolved. And at this point, it's 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 funny because at the time, I kind of was like anti dad, as sixteen year olds might be, where they're like. You know, fuck, fuck Steely Dan, and right, and, right, and well, I never said fuck Steely Dan, but you know, <laughs> like, like whatever with like Super Tramp and like Sade's like so like there's like it's like too adult or something. Yeah. And now I'm 27 and I'm like, thank you, Dad. I Sade is kind of great. <laughs> she is uh, unbelievable. Super Tramp, unbelievable. I listen to that shit like probably more than he did, and he was like trying to get me onto it, so. I don't know. That's always my favorite thing when I come to parents. Yeah. They're like, wait, no, um, like, I like this Todd Rundgren record more than you yeah. did. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. And that's, uh, and they're like, wait, really? You like that? That much? Yeah. You didn't like Garfunkel and Oates that much? I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Simon. I think I just said Garfunkel and Oates. You did. I was about <laughs> to come back by saying Simon and Hall, but I couldn't remember <laughs> what their fucking names were. But yeah, even even that shit, yeah, like calling out, it's like, I'm like, yeah, that's it's like good stuff. And it's like, actually, I don't know. I won't go down that path. Yeah. Because I, I still want to chill with Daryl. Do you? Yeah. I think it's great. Can't that happen? I don't know if he's out there. I I hope somebody would hook us up. I want to hook up with some of my, my heroes. I've hooked up with a few. 
and it was uh, great. But uh, by the way, hook up you mean like you hung out with them? No, I mean like have sex. Oh, good, good. Oh, that's <laughs> no, no. yeah. I was no, thinking. I mean, I mean Daryl Hall has yeah. to be single, right? Ah, uh, yeah. He's he, no, he's got to. He's got to be married. No, I mean, just fucking like jam. I don't know. Jamming is is such a bad term, but no. But I mean, that's that would be incredible. I just want to like toss some toss some some. S- some some words, yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be. Have you had jam sessions like that with musicians you loved, like randomly collaborating in a room? I have collaborated with with uh, people who I look up to tremendously. Oh, really? Yes. Well, what what were those? Uh, fucking R. Stevie Moore. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Via a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, a collaborator, Ariel Pink. Like that is a continuing relationship that is like still still blows my mind because you know being 16 with my little crew like Hana graffiti was like the mecca of like badass interpreting of 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 the times and uh i don't know since then i've become you know friends and you know a a padawan learner (laughs) of the jedi pink so I don't know. I'm the Jedi a, Pink. I've never heard that before. I've never e- either. <laughs> but uh you know I I just, you know, it's f- super cool because you learn not only I don't know, it's it's just, you know, it's the greatest like learning. It's like, you know, going to a school where you know there's like a professor who's like an expert in this field and then you just get to like you know, yeah, get a little bit of that. You get a little, get a little, you know, lesson. Lesson every that, time. that most people would not get, which is which is a huge thing. Absolutely, but then you also get to participate in the lesson, and kind of like a student aid. Yeah, and then and then you know that. Oh, that analogy works. I don't know. Is it? Yeah, it does. A student aid. That I I was surprised you went. That makes sense. Though. <laughs> totally makes sense. Okay. Well, yeah. yes, those guys. I think there's some there's some other guys. A lot of my friends are like I look up to them for their. Experimental nature Mm -hmm. and willingness uh, to—I don't know—change it up. Was there a moment at the end of high school where you were like, "Okay, I should probably do music"? Like that's—that's the thing. That's—that's my life. Um, no, I hadn't started. Well, I started recording some stuff in high school that I thought was pretty cool that was like fake Velvet Underground like kind of Brian Jonestown Massacre shitty shit and uh, do you still have some of that? yeah it's around I think it's okay it's okay it's I wanna hear that yeah I'll play it I'll play it for you later okay it's on MySpace um, <laughs> yeah for real I don't know how to take it down um, <laughs> but um yeah, I think uh, when I was leaving high school, I i don't know what was going on. I was just angsty. I don't think I had lost my virginity yet. I was just like, I don't want to go to college. And my parents were like, you have to go to college, blah, blah, blah. So I, I did. And I thought for some reason, being the privileged idiot that I am, I thought that I could somehow be have a career as a disc jockey <laughs> like that was a thing 
and I thought that if I just went to this school and just like did general studies and then got a radio show at the radio station there, I would somehow manage to finagle my way into the Nightfly third shift slot at a radio station somewhere where I could play jazz and talk like this. But that was just a pipe dream that soon, you know, dried up and I, uh, yeah, I transferred schools and I realized that, yeah, pretty much all I was capable of doing was making music at that point because I, not very good at anything else really. (laughs) And I'm not even that good at music. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. So, um. I don't know. It changed my freshman year of college. What what major were you going to be? I didn't have a major. Yeah, And and then I just decided when I transferred, I was like, I'm going to be a jazz studies major. Um, And that was another thing that I didn't really follow through with as well as I should have because I was a little disenchanted by the way that uh, it, it, I, well, I was disenchanted because of my own attitude, but also because of the institution, the way that it kind of felt at times, the, the, not the institution itself, but the jazz education institution, Mm. this sort of, uh, intimidation factor of, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a very, it's a very elite boys club. I, I don't mean to, you know, it's not always a boys club, but it certainly felt like that where I was. And uh, I think more than anything, I wanted to learn the harmonic uh, values that I was hearing in jazz. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of appropriate that into, like, my shitty rock lens or something, <laughs> you know. Just sort of blend, blend it. But I'm still... Uh, picking apart pieces of things that I learned back then that are hitting me now like five years later that oh oh that's that's the upper partial and that's the oh I I see there there's the that's an appoggiatura I see okay so it's it's still like it's 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 good but uh I don't know that's where I'm at with that was there a jazz musician in that age where you felt like oh that is revolutionary not at the i I wasn't that into modern stuff but i i don't know i think the the music that i was like jazz wise like that i was like interested in was like i don't know like music that was like like wayne shorter and like i don't know just like certain types of harmonies like certain types certain certain standards and certain uh i don't know there were certain players that stood out to me but um wayne shorter like things like that where like you know artists who like instead of using you know like they, they were like artists who who like painted their music in a way that that was psychedelic in its actual like music not so much the production value or the um 
the like relying reliance on, on technology or anything to create some sort of effect. It was more or less like purely out of the composition mm. kind of thing. And I think that's what had really sparked my my desire to study that stuff. Just sort of like the uh how do I put this? The 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 complexity of of the compositions spoke to me in a way that's like kind of like hallucinogenic or something. Mm. But it's it's like all there. It's like, you know, like the notes that you don't hear and like the trails of after these like polychords that leave these like imprints of like denser colors than like you would hear in like a you know something that I would have been listening to like in high school Mm -hmm. like like, you know more rudimentary sort of harmony pretty academic and, and and complex response for something you say you don't know about uh well i don't know maybe i sound i don't know i'll, I'll probably listen back to this and and think i sound like a stoned ass like charlatan or something <laughs> so i don't know you love that word charlatan oh yeah well, i am one <laughs> you know at this this point in time do you believe that yeah it helps me definitely uh it helps me remind myself that I'm 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 not there yet. You know, I'm not. You know, I I I would like to get to like you know an understanding of it. Uh, you know, on the level of like you know the guys who I did who I look up to, Quincy Jones, Wayne Shorter. Uh, you know, not not necessarily on a playing level, but on a Quincy on a level of arrangement Wayne Shorter on a level of composition uh you know there's 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 handfuls of others but you know just I'm not there yet were you ambitious like this in your 20s like early 20s in my early 20s early 20s uh no I was a little bit more anxious and uh I uh was a little bit more uh like nearsighted I think about it. I think maybe farsighted is the right term. Whichever one it was, it was out of focus. (laughs) It was one of the two. One of the two. I don't know how the expression goes, but it was one of the two. And uh, I think at that point I was just like a little too wrapped up. Still wrapped up, but I don't know. The older I get, the more complex i want it to be but not too complex you know there's a fine line between i I just heard this on the wire because i'm watching that now (laughs) there's a fine line between heaven and hell i think that was the quote let me write that down hold on i don't know who said it in the show maybe uh fucking sorry for swearing maybe uh okay maybe it was uh d'angelo or something 
on the show. I forget. Oh, no, no, no. It was the snitch. Uh, Bubbles. Uh, uh, anyways. I never watched the show. So It's pretty... I've heard it's great. It's pretty good. I'm Though when you say D'Angelo, I immediately think about D'Angelo. D'Angelo. Yeah, I know. I was just... Yeah. I thought that's who you meant for a second. Oh, no. He's another guy on the list that I'm like, okay, like, understand harmony of the voice and gospel harmony. Like, just Unreal. Get, get, like, understand gospel harmony because gospel harmony is, like, the reason it's so powerful, like, the reason it's so crazy is because it's, like, it's evoking godliness or something. You know, like, when people hear that shit, it, like, lights them up, lights me up. And it makes me think that there is God yeah. and that like, damn, like we get to hear this, like we get this blessing, yeah. you know, and like hearing D'Angelo do that is just like, it's life affirming. And, and you, I don't know, sometimes I go on these YouTube trips where just like gospel, gospel bands, um, just, it's just unbelievable, like no shame. Just, just tearing it up all the way to heaven, just like I, I, I tearing it up somewhere. Tearing it up, definitely. Yeah, definitely on their like motif keyboard. And I don't know. It's like it's another level. ambitious at that age is pretty it's a lot it's like a lot uh, it was it like a, well, a lot or too much for some people well no i think there are people that definitely like are able to grasp it i'm just too naive and like uh i i don't have the chops i don't have the natural like fluidity that some people do and i also don't have the crazy drive i have some friends who just lost it you know they just not in a bad way but you know would spend eight hours a day practicing something I could never do because I, I think I have ADD or something like that, but I don't know. I also just didn't have the desire to, to shred like some of these guys. That was part of the disenchanting thing about the jazz is this, uh, the jazz education or the, 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 that little microcosm that it is now Mm. is like the, the like machismo, like how, bad how 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 many nasty licks can you get in there and how you know how many different like nods can you make to like intellectual you know 
motifs from songs and then flip them and you know, do all these things that you know are there to impress you rather than than to you know and you know move you or something i don't know I, maybe this is an excuse for my lack of the ability to do that shit no, that's interesting but uh i don't know you're pretty self-critical uh, yeah i think you gotta be i, I don't i don't i, I don't know I'm just a fucking dude. If I if I was better, I'd probably try be trying to do that kind of stuff. But I just don't have the. Uh, Is it a work ethic thing? It, partially, but it's also like after a while, like you know, I don't want to hear sixteenth note lines like running around my head. I I respect the greats. You know, I, I'm not trying to be Pat Martino or Wes Montgomery or. You know, I take more like of a of an approach, I, and I, I did this probably because I also just could never play that fast. But I I think the the guitarists that really influence the way that I play, like jazz wise, but also just a- any way like all the way around, came from like and the sound. I, I really kind of stole it from Bill Frizzell. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not. You should check him out. He's like a kind of like Americana country jazz kind of guy. Okay. Very wobbly guitar, Telecaster kind of sound. Jim Hall. But both of those guys are like slow players. They don't like shred very hard, but they can bring you to, uh, you know, you know, the, a place that feels like you're, you know, in a painting, you know, rather than in a, in a boxing ring. Or not a boxing ring, but in a in a gymnastics routine. Ambition thing can be like too much for some people. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, for me a little bit. <laughs> Not really though. I, I'm getting around to it. I'm just slow. I, I'm like learning. Like I'm like my third album. I'm pretty ambitious. I think hmm. this whole recording project I'm doing is like definitely spitting some truths back at me. Was the first record? like a solidifier for you in any way when that happened uh no it was like a it was like dipping my toe into the water and uh it was a test for myself to see if i could actually do something by myself and finish something and i still don't feel like it was finished necessarily i'm never finished with anything but uh it just i don't know every subsequent process has been a little bit more uh scrutinized Mm -hmm. and i'm learning that i what do you mean more scrutinized just just the the uh the the comb 
the teeth of the comb have become finer. I don't know. You mean critics? No, 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 my own, my, my own comb. Your own when comb. it comes to checking myself. Okay. Yeah. You know. I thought, I thought you were talking about people who write about it. Oh no, no, no! I don't, I don't pay my, pay any mind to that, or try not to at least. Is that hard sometimes? <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, not really though. I don't really like. I don't have any alerts on my computer that tell me when someone's writing about me or anything. Nor do I have the PR necessarily telling me when it's good or not. But um, how do you find it then? Uh, I I don't enjoy it. Uh, it just kind of helps. It just kind of makes me turn inward a little bit. Mm. But um, I just have to remind myself that I don't really need to care about that stuff. I don't know. It, it helps at times. Oh, it does. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you lied there. I I don't know. I can't. I I don't know. It puts me in a weird place. If if people shit on it, you know, it makes me sad. But you know, that's what it is. You know, that's normal. That's a normal. So, that's a normal reaction. Well, that's 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 what it is. Yeah. I just try not. I I just don't enjoy, like, looking at what I've done necessarily like i probably won't listen to this interview <laughs> after we do it no offense sam but i just don't want to hear my it's just my your thoughts my 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 thoughts yes hmm. and uh i don't think that's unusual no i don't think it is either i don't think it's unusual for yeah i don't know i'm pretty normal but i uh, critics eh. they're gonna be there so it goes. Yep. That first record, I mean, it did pretty well, though. I mean, it kind of, it kind of got you some growing little fan base, right? Yeah, I think so. But there's probably many factors to that. I think if the people around me were pretty helpful. What were the factors? Uh, I don't know. Everything from timing to the people who helped me work on it. Um having a label to to push it um certain bands taking us out exposing us um but yeah i think the first song that got released was had a bigger splash than anything that i've done since so i don't know i i really it's Does hard that to make see. sense to you by the way no it doesn't uh but that's okay I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'll have, I'll have, I, I'm hoping that I'll have good hindsight in a few years to see really what actually happened. But at this point, I'm still a little confused. Yeah, I don't think anyone can make sense of how that works for any artist. No, yeah, the, the it's, it's definitely growing though, and I'm, I'm, you know, grateful for that, so I'm just trying to make it better. Mm-hmm. Was the Stones Throw involvement like when they approached you, or how did how did that all go down? Uh, I approached them. I was in their office, like sleeping in their studio with another group called Silk Roads, who was already putting. They were already like signed to make a record, and I was helping them. And so you moved from the Midwest to Los Angeles. I didn't move at the time. I thought I could, and I didn't. And so at a, at a desperate last turn before I had to go home, I woke up one morning and just 
saw PV Wolf and asked him if I could play some demos and he listened and then I went back home and then he hit me up like over the next almost a year or so just saying like hey I want to put that out you know I want to put this out you know and uh, I had some help from uh, one of the people at the label her name was Jody and she was a pretty she was swinging for me and uh, then I finally came out to LA and then just tried it out I didn't know what I was doing at all still and I'm I'm like now round three starting to get a grip on what I'm doing yeah in this city in this city but uh in the music thing I don't know how did you feel when uh Wolf expressed like that much interest in you I was excited but you know he wasn't the only one so I was excited just in general to be to be making something that people actually, you know, were like, hey, this to. is interesting, you know. So, I don't know. It was a good feeling. Didn't it make you feel more confident about your abilities? Certainly in a way. It made me definitely ignore certain parts of myself that I uh, <laughs> couldn't face at the time. Um, but, yeah. Made me feel like... A little sense of validation, like holy shit, I went to music school and now I'm a professional musician. Mm-hmm. Look at that. So, yeah, I don't know. Was it what you? I mean, now that you're in the thick of it, is it what you expected? No. <laughs> I didn't think that people were going to respond like this. I didn't think that I would be. Uh, like a person like a public person or something like that I don't know it's interesting so to speak I guess I don't know it's <laughs> I still don't understand it but uh, do you think it changes like part of yourself the, the, the way you behave yes but uh, I don't know I think I, I generally mmm I'm not the most confident person, so certain things are definitely a little bit more difficult for me to approach. Like, I don't know. I I don't know if it's changed me. It's hard to say. It's been three years of the same thing, kind of. I don't know. I'm still a little bit, like, nervous around people and... I don't know. It's, 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 I'm pretty much the same. Hmm. I think I don't know. I I would think the biggest thing that there there are changes in friend groups and like there's changes in dynamics with people you spend your time with. Definitely, and definitely. That's, that's the strangest part. That has changed. I spend most of the time with the band. Well, I did until I moved out of the house that we all lived in, and so now. Um, that was fairly recent. Yeah, that's really recent like a month ago and uh now i just spend all my time alone and it's great and it's something that i've been needing to have for like two years now that i've got my recording set up and i'm like back in the game like i'm ready to to like i'm ready to go Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh i think that was like something that was suppressing me for a while so just like constant touring and 
doing the same thing over and over again and not being able to get what I had playing in my head out, you know. Mm. Are the people at Stones Throw especially supportive of that as a label? Uh, supportive of what specifically? You spending all this time like creating and figuring out new sounds and feeling energized by music in a way and like giving you time and space to do that yeah they're 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 they give me what i need um however you know as with anything there's like you know a reasonable time frame for things and they also have certain you know not only the label but management that kind of thing they have certain expectations to keep the fucking whatever tactic technique you want to call it in be still being something in someone's ears and you know you know the sort of like business expectations that I don't necessarily care about but in a certain way it kind of motivate me to to work harder not that it's informing the process, but like the time frame, you know what I mean? Right. The the business expectations part is probably a little disorienting. It's, yeah, I don't handle it very much. Well, no, yeah. I have a manager who's really faithful and dedicated and like, um, he alleviates a lot of that. But at the same time, it still stresses me out like a motherfucker. Just like not getting paid or paying too much or getting screwed on some deals or whatever. It's just kind of like, I don't want to deal with that. I just don't want to think about it. That'd be a lot of time to think about I that. I just want to jam. <laughs> <laughs> then then we're good. <laughs> I feel like that's what Stone's Throw has fostered in a lot of their artists. It's like, this is a place and community that wants you to jam and then just make yeah they they there's definitely a a sort of assembly line kind of mentality with a lot of people that are putting music out with them that you know not assembly line in terms of like a bunch of people but like they're like a one-man factory kind of thing you know i i don't really know where i'm going with this they do foster the creativity, sure. <laughs> they foster the people. We'll make a cut right there. Yeah. With uh, pumped up kicks. You like that song? Pumped up kick drums. That's what they, you know, pumped up bass, pumped up kick. I don't really care for it, but uh, that's cool. That was a weird, like, part in, in music a few years ago. That was a weird interlude. Yeah, what's going on now? Who's the next foster the the people i don't know all that shit kind of like collapsed at the same time i guess so i don't really I, I didn't really follow it i just heard it on the radio and i was like oh yeah okay that was like alt j though alt j alt j what's alt j see i don't know shit man it's a group okay okay they were in the uh i don't know like electric guest Okay, I don't know yeah. anything. Yeah, I listen to the Beatles. Yeah, you know I listen to old shit. <laughs> I rarely listen to new stuff. <laughs> I rarely listen to new stuff. <laughs> I do, but it really has to tickle my fancy. Yeah, 
You didn't miss out. I mean, do, do you know who the shins are? I did. That was on the data disc that I got freshman year. And uh, yeah. I thought that there was a band, there was an album that they had that I thought was pretty, uh, it sounded good to me, but listening back, I can't really, can't really jive, but yeah. Those bands that you never listened to or, or really didn't care about, uh-huh. they're pretty ambitious bands, right? I, I know you don't know them, but like to get to that level of visibility, maybe it's not ambition or is it luck? I don't know. I wonder. It's a mix between the two. I'd have to. I'd have to do a little studying. Yeah. Um, what it takes to be on a major. I don't know. Was that major label shit? I don't know. I don't know. But there is a there is a correlating line. You know, that's them and you. You are ambitious like that. I mean, you do want uh, to do something. Yeah, I do, but I don't necessarily want to be on that level. I don't know if you have a choice in the matter, but, you know, I definitely don't want to be the guy who has a song that, like, everybody's like, oh, that song, like, uh, uh what, what is the one I'm thinking? There's one that was a few years ago. Uh, Sing it. Uh, Peter Bjorn and John. I can't remember how it goes. It almost was the same as the Foster the People. What was it again? Peter Bjorn and John. It's almost like the Foster the People thing. But like I I mean, it's not a bad song, but I just don't want to be Oh, wait a second. Really? Don't. I think it's called Young Folks. Young Folks. That's it. You know, like I just I, I would prefer to like stay an album artist rather than a single sort of sma- chart indie guy. Yeah. Indie charts. But you don't get to choose that, right? You don't get to choose that. But also you maybe maybe there's some sort of power structure that is involved with how people rise to uh bigger, broader audiences. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wonder what the what the criteria is. I don't think I'm I'm a poster boy nor am I uh uh, malleable enough to to fall into that category that fits that makes sense yeah but that stuff aside I mean what what do you want I want to make sick records I want to make classic time tested like little paintings of 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 postmodern delight just fucking nostalgia joke uh feel good stuff i don't know that's good yeah you know end of the world sort of party you know that's some good terminology i feel like you just uh you just whipped out some stuff there i think you've used that i think you've said that before to yourself Mm. i've said certain things to myself when people ask me why, what, what is the Mile High Club? I uh, I've come up with some answers. Yeah, that's like the only thing I say to myself. Do you remember that, the explanation you gave for uh, skip tracing, like the what what it was? Mm. Like an investigation. Yeah, it was like an, I, I don't think I fully fleshed that one out. It was like something like an investigation into like musical history. I I specified it to American, but it really was not just american but it, it, it was it was specific to certain bands mm-hmm. certain recordings certain uh things yeah do you feel like that record um 
was the best you could do at that time? At the time, yeah. Maybe not, though, because there were so many things that went, like, that were, like, stressful in the process of, like, me not being able to work on it on my own sort of things, like engineering problems. Not to discredit all the people who worked on that record. There were a lot. Um, But it came down to, like, my own, like, inability as the producer to actually go in and check it out. But uh, I think for what I did have and what I was able to do with it, I think it was probably close to better than the best. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it turned out, as a listener, I think it turned out pretty well. Well, thanks. I don't know. But that doesn't mean much to you. It it does, because um, I definitely felt like I got to a a better place than I did with the first record. And, uh, you know, it definitely brought out a lot of emotions for me. And I think definitely lyrically for me, although I don't think a lot of people pick up on some of the themes because they're pretty, you know, shrouded in my own, you know, little forest of, of, you know, different eras of my, and moments of my life. But, um, it's, yeah, I I think it was for me the most poetic I've been for certain moments of the of the of the uh, record of the record, but also being able to uh, sort of uh, extrapolate from from stories in my life and create a narrative. Uh, yeah, there were like clever things that I don't think people would unless I explained them, you know. Like what, certain songs? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. There's, yeah. I think it's good. I think it's pretty good. There's a lot on your mind. There's a lot of like competing narratives in your head. Yeah. About how you feel and how how you should talk about it. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if I'll ever get over that. It was a weird process for sure. There was some weird spiritual voodoo shit going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... It kind of sounds like it, your sister torturing you in music again. <laughs> um... Yeah, but it was myself torturing myself. Yeah, but wasn't that meant to happen? Yeah, absolutely. And it's always gonna happen. It's always gonna... I'm always going to be captured by these... Uh, musical memories. Nah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Are you okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. It's not, it's, you know, I'd rather be this way than uh, tone deaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are those the two options? You're tone deaf or you're like obsessive and captured by music? For me, yeah, I would never want to be media- mediocre about it. I don't know if that's a way to explain it, but, yeah, you know, you know, seeing music as passe or something would just be like so such a boring life. I mean, isn't it the thing for you that like lights up and makes day like days worthwhile? That uh, love, uh, palm trees in sunny California, 
that's that's those are like the pieces i think music is definitely a prime directive i don't know sounds like things are okay they're okay they're better than they've been in a long time they could be better though yeah i'm i'm working on these mixes i'm gonna tear it up just got some new programs just gonna make it better make it better and better and better until it's really fun to listen to for everyone and uh yeah i think that time's gonna come well thank you sam (laughs) (laughs) i'm slowly starting to uh it's cool though i feel like i feel like a bit of like a a musicologist in a way anthropologist i don't know I'm trying to I'm trying to absorb the you know not only I I may have fibbed a little bit when I said I only listen to old music because sometimes I, I have a bad habit of driving the tour van and just scanning the radio for fucking hours <laughs> and just like listening to the shittiest shit the the coolest shit the weirdest stuff I don't know I just I try to I'm trying to capture not capture but I'm trying to to get a sense of where we're at here. Hey, you're in searching. 2017, especially in, like, radio. It's very weird. Well, I, I hope whatever you're looking for, uh, you find it. Oh, yes. I think that's going to happen, though. Maybe one day. Yeah. We'll see. I, fi- I find it every once in a while. And then that feels good. Yeah, for a moment. <laughs> Until I look back and I'm like, oh, that was actually, uh, that was actually not that cool of a thing. Yeah. You know. Well. Not that it's about coolness. No. But it's just, that was, you know, that was that. (laughs) Uh, Alex, thanks so much for, uh, thanks for doing this. My pleasure, Sam. Thank you for having me. Special thanks this week to the team at Stone's Throw, including Angela Lynn, Jake Bidor, and many others. We couldn't possibly have done this series without them. You can stream both of Mild High Club's records, Timeline, and Skip Tracing on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, or wherever else you listen to music. Also, if you're around, Alex will be performing quite a bit this summer, including Brooklyn on June 8th, Boston on June 9th, Montreal on June 10th, and many more. We'll include a link to those dates in the show notes. And lastly, a big thanks to Alex for coming over to the house, sitting in the backyard, and going there with us. In case you missed it, we've aired two other parts to this Stone's Throw series. The first was with founder P.B. Wolf, and the second was a long, sprawling conversation with DJ beatmaker extraordinaire J-Rock. You can find those episodes and past conversations on our website at www.talkeasypod.com, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and beyond. We'll finish off our Stone's Throw spotlight next Tuesday with part four when Sudan Archives joins us on the show. 
Until then, this is Talk Easy. Our music is by Jinsang in Vanilla. Our executive producer is David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Our associate producer is Valerie Ettenhofer. And the show is produced by Nora Knight. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you next week. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.